taught me how to scratch my thing. Welcome, creeps. Hey, y'all. <laughs> so right now we're recording this, and it's a little bit rainy outside, so you might hear some background. Yeah, enjoy noise. it. Noise, yeah. For us, it's lovely. Probably just sounds like fuzz to you guys. How was your week? It was good. It was real good. Right on. <laughs> so big. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite kind of pie, do say? Oh, that's easy. Apple pie. <laughs> that's basic. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't fucking care. Um, when it comes to ice cream, though, lately I've taken to going to Baskin Robbins and then just asking for a surprise flavor. A surprise fruit flavor. A fruit fa- flavor specifically. I'm not huge on American chocolate. Oh, uh, it sucks. It sucks balls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, I like American chocolate. I just like to talk shit about it because you feed into it. <laughs> me? Yeah. It's I like, hate it. You're like, it's here, let me, let me talk about how shit something American is so Adam can get excited and be like, yeah, it's so shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not actually a very big pie person. But we did get that one a while ago from House of Pies. And it was like sugar-free cherry or something, right? Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. That was fucking so good. Yeah. I was surprised how good it was. Yeah, I thought it was just going to taste like chemical. Yeah. That one was like surprisingly good. All right. Anyways, now that we've talked about pie, we hope there's a house of pies in by you. So you're going to be like, oh, great. Thanks a lot, guys. I don't have a fucking house of pies around me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cherry pie sounds great. Too bad I can't have it. I know, right? <laughs> they just opened up an In-N-Out not that far from here. Their protein-style burgers are so fucking good. Just burgers without buns, basically. Uh, because I, I just like to taste the patty. You just like that meat? <laughs> it's too much bread sometimes, man. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Oh man, speaking of bread, I think I'm fucking hungry. I could really go for a burger. But a Whopper. Or maybe a Jack in the Box burger. Or a Dairy Queen burger so we can get ice cream out there. Anyway, <laughs> hope you're having a great weekend so far, Creeps. Happy Friday. I'm, we'll say, tell us a story. I'm literally salivating because we're talking about food. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so... Um, once I read my sources, the jig will be up, but that's okay. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Uh, so my sources are learn religions, hawaii.aloha, haunts.com, haunted rooms, weird Hawaii, Hawaii magazine, only in your state, activity authority, and rd.com. It's about Alaska. <laughs> god sometimes i'm so funny (laughs) i don't even i don't know where they came from (laughs) (laughs) so i'm talking about hawaiian lore today yay Yay. all right so one thing i want to i need to talk about first to explain this curse when the thing or the the thing yeah i get I don't know. Sometimes I just don't know how to fucking start. Okay. okay. So that's what, okay. What we're, beginning... we're here for you. <laughs> just go. Anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> we're starting out with Pele, goddess of fire, lightning, and volcanoes, who is said to live on the big island um, and is supposed to be an extremely vengeful deity 
Hawaii is made up of eight mainlands, and Hawaii's island is often referred to as the Big Island. So just like Google Hawaii, and the biggest one is called the Big Island. Okay. So she said to live on that one. Okay. She is sometimes called Madam Pele Tutu, which means grandmother. Pele, or Kawahine, Ai Onuwa. Wow. That's a long name. I think I did okay. <laughs> uh, which translates to the earth-eating woman. She's also credited with creating the Hawaiian islands. She descended from the Sky Father and a spirit named Haomea. Pele is considered a goddess and the embodiment of the fire element. This could explain why she curses anyone who takes volcano rock, sand, and pumice from Hawaii. She sees these things as her children, and the people who take them are just plain thieves. There are stories of misfortune that have fallen on those who have been dumb enough to take volcano rock. These dummies can return volcano rock if they go to volcanogallery.com and they take donations like in return. Um, so you can donate up to $15. If you do that, they'll wrap them. What, you know, like whatever it is that you took with you, they'll wrap it in a leaf of the Thai plant, which is associated with good luck. Your rock will be returned at a special loca location in Volcano Hawaii, which is where Pele resides. These rocks will also be returned with an offering of orchids to ask for her, for her forgiveness on your behalf. This donation is optional, but don't be a dick. Just send the money. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one who screwed up after all. That is, of course, unless you've literally lost everything and you absolutely can't because some of these people have. Yeah, through bad luck. Yeah. So, let's get into some volcano rock stories. Oh, shit. Tell me all about these rocks. Okay. So, so okay. So, on the volcano gallery, uh, they have written testimonies from people who have, who have taken what they shouldn't have taken and they're sending it back for them so we can go back home yeah. right to uh, and then these stories describe the bad luck that they've had since taking these things so and it's pages and pages of bad luck stories and it's just like skeptic or not there's so much store so many stories almost a confirming that there really is a curse yeah yeah it you know? sounds like this is gonna be a big bummer <laughs> <laughs> anyways um at the beginning of the year a colleague of mine went to hawaii on an mri conference i asked him to bring back a stone or two for me he brought a few small pieces of lava it seems since then we've had bad luck i've been in the hospital twice i'm normally very healthy I changed my job and we moved 200 miles. The new company decided to close one of their departments and as a result, I am now unemployed. Wow. We sold our house and when we moved, we, we took a loss on that as well. I do not know if these are just coincidences, but too many things have gone wrong in too short of time. 
I'm not usually superstitious, just a little stitious. Hey. But I regret that I cannot send you a donation. We are extremely down financially, and it is just not possible. Please return the lava to its rightful resting place. Many thanks, Stephen from Germany. Wow, Stephen from Germany. I hope once that lava went back... Everything turned around for yeah, you. Yeah, you know. I tried not to get the big downer ones, just the ones that are brief. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. I visited Hawaii in July 2003. I had a wonderful time. And we traveled even the islands. I guess this is like a translation thing. I picked up two lava rocks. Later, I heard that it displeased the gods. Also, your luck will begin to turn bad. Well, I can tell you, mine has changed to terrible. I started having trouble with my daughter-in-law. My job suffered because of this. My son owned the business. Uh, we started having trouble. I started having trouble with my boyfriend. Finally lost him. Then more trouble at work. Then I lost my job. Finally, my son, uh, because my my son fired me and told me he never wanted to see me again Fuck. and to stay completely out of his life. Um, now I have no male companion, no job, no daughter-in-law, no son. Bad luck. Please go away. A.G. from Philadelphia. That's insane. Yeah. Sorry to hear A.G. That sucks. <laughs> I'm laughing. Because nervous I'm, laughter. Because I'm nervous. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my wife went to Hawaii for a honeymoon and picked up these three rocks and two pumice stones from a beach of the same sort of stones near Hilo. And the lava rock with the green stone from one of the volcanoes where there are fumes rising from the earth. That sounds fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Please return these stones to Pele. We're very sorry that we took them and should have realized the mistake before we left the island. Shortly after we got back to California, I got a cold, which is still with me even more than five weeks later. Damn. Also, I hurt my shoulder while working out. My TV blew up and my and a 100 gigabyte hard drive on my computer, which is less than a year old, just died today. I'm doubtful that the hard drive can be repaired and there is a great deal of data on it, which cannot be replaced. I was planning to return the stones myself next year. But given the current rate of bad luck, I'm not sure I'll, I'll I'm not sure I'll live that long. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell! I wonder if his TV blew up. <laughs> Anyways, please express our apologies to the goddess. I even had a dream the night after we took the stones, and I think that maybe she was trying to warn me not to leave the island with them. But like an idiot, I misinterpreted it. It didn't occur to me what we'd done until after we had already gotten back. And the bad luck started to happen. In any case, thank you for the service. JV from San Bernardino, California. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. So one thing that I did here, actually about this particular island, but just in general, I think it's a good uh, rule of thumb. Don't, like, don't take shit that's not yours. <laughs> well, yeah, don't take shit that's not yours. But if you are somewhere and you are the type of person to, like, you know, collect mm-hmm. fucking rocks or don't people like smush flowers in books yeah that kind of thing mm-hmm. like if you ask the land basically for yeah. permission mm-hmm. and let it or them know your intent mm-hmm. like just speak aloud and just say and um a lot of people like leave something in return yeah so say like whether it's chocolate or money you know what i mean yeah or 
maybe planting something i don't know mm -hmm. but that that's my advice on this like, yeah that makes <laughs> if sense you, if you have to take it if you absolutely have to still don't yeah i just wouldn't take just take a fucking picture yeah. of it <laughs> all right i was so relieved to find your website my husband and i were married in maui in october 3rd my two daughters came with us I've also, I've always collected sand from every coast I visit. I even fill several little bottles to give to family and friends as souvenirs. I also love rocks and have tried to learn some of the beliefs surrounding the energy di different types possess. We love Maui and gathered a few rocks and sand while there. It wasn't until the airport that an employee told me of the bad luck curse. I did leave a much larger rock, but my other bags had been checked in and I didn't even think about the sand. Since returning home, my family has experienced emotional, marital, financial, and employment problems. We had a car accident, lost money, continuous headaches, stomach problems, and even now legal problems. Not to mention our dog bites all of us now. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to label each, oh, I guess the rocks, so that you know, so you can know where in Maui they belong. The two lava rocks come from the top of a volcano the coral pieces which maybe don't come with the curse but i'm not taking any chances came from somewhere on the shore along the road to hannah as for the other small rock i'm not quite sure where we picked it up in maui please return to madam pele with our sincerest humblest apologies we did not want to anger anybody we just love these things and wanted to have something to look at while remembering the beautiful time in maui Please accept this donation and thank yous. If you could say a blessing on our behalf, we'd really appreciate it. I hope that Madam Paley forgives us and that our family can recover from this. Sincerely, a most grateful family in Omaha, Nebraska. Wow. Yeah. Fucking hell, the dog and all took a turn. But I do remember, <laughs> like, I do remember my auntie having a bottle, a Coke bottle full of sand from, I think it was somewhere in Ireland, but like, you know, they had gone there on a school trip. Or something like that. Mm. The dog took a turn. The dog took a turn and all that. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck you guys that. bringing those rocks home. Yeah. <laughs> can smell the bad luck off you. <laughs> Don't touch me. The bad luck will rub off on me. <laughs> yeah. In clothes, you will find the lava rock we took as an innocent souvenir for our daughter when we were on the big island last week. I hadn't heard of the legend of bad luck that follows one who possesses the lava until I, I returned... Uh, until I told a friend that I returned with a head cold that began on the plane and found our car in the airport parking lot with a flat tire. Oh, that sucks. The day after I got home and had given the rock to my daughter, she was in a car accident. Fuck. Please help us to return this rock to its rightful place where the things before things get any worse. Our sincerest apologies to the goddess Pele. Thank you. The B family. Placerville, California. Yeah, so, like, there's no way to pinpoint the origins of this curse, but what is true is that natives of Hawaii don't like when you take these things. And it's actually illegal to remove minerals from a U.S. national park, so just don't fucking do it. Mm. The next thing I'm going to talk about in Hawaii is the Nuawanu Pali Highway in Honolulu, Hawaii. This is specifically... Uh, on the island Oahu. So it's one of the islands. Okay. There are lots of ghost stories connected to this highway, including the story that says Pele and the demigod Kampua, a half man, half pig, 
had a bad breakup and agreed never to see each other again. Legend says that you cannot take pork over the Pali Highway because it means that you are symbolically taking Kamapua, Kamapua'a from one side to the other. For those who try to bring pork across, supposedly your car will stop at some point along the way and an old woman with a dog will appear. No! In order to continue your journey, you must feed the pork to the dog. Oh, it, that's okay. Yeah, you can take all the pork. <laughs> There's also something about pork that attracts spirits, apparently, according to the locals. They suggest placing a Thai leaf on the containers that you have your pork in. It's supposed to send a message to spirits nearby, like saying, stay away, it's my pork. <laughs> <laughs> it's my pork, not yeah. your pork. <laughs> Just write your name on the meat. But I've noticed that is like a um, a repeated thing about the Thai leaves or the tea leaves or whatever. Yeah. They're supposed to be like, have protective energies and shit against um, malicious spirits. Attempting to take pork over the Pali Highway is dangerous, as most island visitors learn. Despite repeated warnings that your car will break down or someone will get hurt in an accident, uh, people continue to challenge the gods, or in this case, the goddess Pele. And I have a story regarding taking pork over to the highway. Okay, I'm just going to say real quick. How often does one transport pork? Especially on vacation. I mean, they have luau's. Right? That's like a special occasion thing. Okay, yeah, I suppose. And they have pork. And they eat Spam. Spam has pork in it. Okay, okay. Spam's real popular in Hawaii. Yeah, that's their thing, right? Spam and eggs. Uh, And then it's Spam sushi. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah. I watched a lot of uh, Food Network and I saw that Hawaii is really big on Spam. I, I think it has something to do with uh, World World 2 or something. Like they... That was like the cheapest meat that they could get was spam. So since then, like, it's been all about spam or something like that. Yeah, I that. guess it's easy to transport and all that kind of. It might have been World War Two. I don't. I'm not sure. Well done. Um, in 1986, four Hickam airmen, new to the islands, decided to test the Pali Highway with a pack of bacon. They drove out to the Pali lookout at midnight and walked down the old Pali road. About 30 minutes later, they came across a gulch, which is like a valley. Yeah, yeah. I had to look it up. Like something else. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's like, oh. She got me right in the gulch. It's like, oh, love, please, please pull down your skirt. I can see a gulch. <laughs> um, <laughs> you like my impersonation of you? That was your... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. Well done. You're like, ah, oh, so offended. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never. Um, one of the men climbed up to about 150 feet before he slid and got stuck on a muddy and slippery cliff. <laughs> a muddy and slippery gulch. <laughs> <laughs> As he struggled to hold on to a couple of weeds and rocks, his friends made the frantic call for help to the Honolulu Fire Department. When the helicopter rescue crews arrived to help save the man, the pilot, Captain Charles Thomas, noted that a tea leaf plant, dubbed the Hawaiian good luck plant, because it wards off evil spirits, kept the man from falling. According to legend, the man slipped because he and his friends brought pork up to the lookout. Food, especially pork, 
attracts hungry and agitated spirits. Folklorist and author Martha Beckwith says tying a fresh green tea leaf or tie leaf, bamboo, or lele banana leaf around the food container protects one from angry spirits. This is known as placing a law upon the food. Isn't that crazy? Gotta keep that food safe no matter what. Yeah. So apparently there's a ghost girl with long black hair who wanders there too. Stay away from my food, ghost lady. <laughs> She's she supposedly she was a living girl who met her fate by being strangled by her own jump rope. Like someone strangled her. Oh, okay. Jesus, I thought Yeah. So now she wanders around only the top she wanders around that area with only the top half of her face showing, like the rest of it's transparent, because she was found after the lower half of her face was already eaten away by animals. Jesus. I don't know how much stock the story has because don't animals generally go for like the softest parts, which is the eyes first? Yeah, maybe she was like lying in the dirt a certain way or something. Mm. The story also says that her eyes are bulging out of their sockets because of how bad she was strangled. Either way, I wouldn't want to see this. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. Most unique of all, this story is the story from weird.us.com. I wanted to mention the story because of Connor Gossel's clairvoyant. He had mentioned something like this. Connor Gossel loved the haunted historian. Yeah. So, heavy vibe, I call the segment, heavy vibes and little people on Old Pally Road. I like it. I, I call like it, it because that's the name of the story. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes... A group of us girlfriends left school at lunch one day and decided to drive around the island rather than go back for the second half of the day. If I remember correctly, there were six of us crammed into one car. I was sitting in the back seat with two of the other girls. We decided to cruise down the old Pally Road. This is located off the Pally Freeway in a quick turn right off the main freeway, surrounded by many plants and vegetation. Since we'd grown up here, we knew exactly where to look, but otherwise it would not easily be found. The place was well known as being spooky and having heavy vibes. Of the many teenagers that would cruise this road, we did it in fun, yet one was always aware and respectful of the Hawaiian legends. I remember going down this road once at night, and when the driver of the car, Danny, turned off the lights for a few seconds and scared the crap out of everyone in the car... Nothing happened, but I've never experienced such total, utter blackness. Anyway, the strange thing about this road is that no matter how much you're laughing, having fun, not being serious, inevitably, after a minute in, everyone becomes silent. The jokes either die down or are said weakly without confidence. You see, even though the day is bright with sunshine and the road is in fact quite beautiful, Without the varied Hawaiian foliage the island has to offer, there's something different in the air. It's hard to put in words, but it feels somewhat oppressive, as if the surrounding trees have created a tunnel. There was no noise in the car, as everyone had become silent. We were all looking out the windows in different directions. There's a strong feeling that every time you turn a corner, it's a very windy road. Something will be standing in the middle of the road. It becomes tense. It's not fun. Your body is tight with anxiety and you just want to hurry up and get out. No matter how many times I went down that road or with whom, I would always feel this way. Anyway, it was the same 
this day. I just wanted to get out. It felt like we were running out of time. I kept thinking, okay, the next curve and then the road, but it kept going and going. I remember thinking I've never realized how long this road was. Finally, we curved to the right and there was the freeway. We started pulling out into the main road and I seem to remember still no one was talking. Just before we turned to merge onto the freeway, I looked in the window behind me and saw a dwarf walking out from the Pally Road. He was a, quote, normal dwarf, not evil looking or transparent or anything. But where was he coming from? <laughs> to this day, I cannot think of a reasonable explanation. There are no other cars back there. It was empty, silent as always, and there are no homes or anything back there. This dwarf was literally walking from out of nowhere into the middle of the road we had just left behind. That literally made my blood run cold. What the <laughs> fuck? Because the whole time I'm thinking, remember um, remember when I took you on that drive up like into the Dublin mountains in the night and how dark it is up there like and how much when you turn off all your lights you can just see all the stars and stuff. But then just to see a random person no matter what size just walking out? No fucking way. No thank you. So the story continues. Oh shit, sorry. <laughs> I'll never forget it. He walked in that sing-song way that some dwarfs do, which make which makes their entire body jerk to one side and then the next at a rapid pace, coming straight down the road. I eventually gave up trying to find explanations of where he could have come from. Yeah. So I just wrote gnomes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the island does have lore of small gnomes called Menahune. In the early 19th century, Menahune were forest spirits. But as time passed, they became little people made of flesh and blood that are related to humans. The lore of Menahune adds on to itself like they only come. It, it adds on to itself like they only come out at night. They can disappear when they want. Natives on the islands are related to them, and it just goes on from there. Like, they just keep adding on to the to the lore. Um, basically, but basically, like, to, at the root of this is that they're just small people who live in the forest. They're about two or three feet tall and build and build natural construction projects. Like, yeah, just random yeah. shit. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So there's fucking gnomes in Hawaii. I mean... Sure, look, I'm already convinced. So, yeah, that's why I was like, mm, yes. This all correlates now, of course. Yes. I wonder how many of our listeners have seen something similar to this. Yeah. Email us and let us know. Yeah, and if you're a gnome, let us know. Yeah, fucking hell, we'd love to interview you. Yeah. Um, tell us about your gnome friends. All right, so the next uh, lore story, <laughs> I guess... As a green lady of Wahiawa. Wahiawa. Again, we are sorry for the mispronunciations. Yeah. <laughs> Wahiawa Botanical Gardens is located in Oahu. It is 27 acres big, has Hawaiian ferns, 60 types of trees, and hiking trails for visitors. Sounds delightful. <laughs> Sounds like spiders. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
Founded as a park in the 1920s, it was opened up as a garden for public for the public to visit. I should probably mention that there's a bridge in these gardens that is supposed to be cursed and that whoever crosses it has never been seen again. Uh, get rid of the fucking bridge. I think it, maybe it's like a natural bridge. I don't know. This ties into the green lady. She lives in these gardens. She is said to be covered in moss and fish-like scales. She has seaweed in her hair and jagged teeth. Terrifying. She was alive once and visited the garden with her children years ago. When she was alive, she and her children would avoid bridges and choose to cross gulches instead. That's an odd thing to do, but okay. She was afraid that cars would hit her or her children. So that's why she did that. Right. One day, one of her children got lost in the forest and was never seen again. She implored her community to help her find her children, but no one was willing to help. She decided to look for her child with the rest of her kids in tow, and none of them were seen again. Wow. Some say she died of stress and grief in the forest, and one of her tells, uh, you know, that means that she's nearby, is a smell of decaying plants and supposedly she will take any child that's alone because she's forever in search of her own missing child she's almost like a, a hawaiian Leorona. yeah yeah creepy as fuck yeah I, only I'm... she didn't murder her own children oh yeah, yeah. good point yeah. well that we know of <laughs> so that's the green lady oh poor job so cute so we have a cat named pork chop and she's very plump and every time i see her i just want to give her a hug She's a very loving cat. Yeah. Next up, I'm going to talk about night warriors. Night watchers, isn't it? They have, it could be night marchers or night warriors. Oh. Both are applicable because they do march at night and they are warriors. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> I literally, I just happened to be listening to a thing about this earlier on. The Huacapio. Huacay. Just keep making that noise. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> I'm trying to stop myself from saying it and my mouth just keeps Walk going. Here. <laughs> the Huacaipo, also known as the Night Watcher Night Marchers, are the spirits of ancient Hawaiian warriors who have been cursed to march the islands for eternity. The night marchers are said to march in a single line, often carrying torches and weapons while chanting and playing drums. Ghosts of Hawaiian warriors are said to travel along paths that are near where battles were fought. They also march near places of worship. People living near their path say they've heard drumming and conch shells blowing. If you make eye contact with one of them, they will take you with them to the spirit world. Unless a relative of yours takes your place. Oh, wow. That's deep. If you see them coming, hide or just get out of the way. For whatever reason that you cannot, lie flat on your stomach and look down to show respect. Do not look up even when they provoke you. You, will, you can find me face down in the dirt. Thank you very much. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Next, we're going to talk about Highway 1 in Oahu. Oahu. 
Highway 1 is a roadway that passes through Kualau Mountains, where ancient Hawaiian warriors have died. Construction of this highway took a staggering seven years because workers would leave and never come back because they saw ghosts and heard the voices of warriors that would call to them. They have also heard the cry of warriors inside the tunnels along the highways. Workers also had to excavate the bones of these warriors, disturbing their final resting place. This could be the reason why there's so much ghostly activity. Yeah. Yeah. Don't touch the fucking bones. Yeah. So next up on our tour of Hawaii. (laughs) I feel so cultured. (laughs) Is USS Arizona Memorial at Pearl Harbor in Oahu, Hawaii. Pearl Harbor is probably one of the most significant World War II sites in the world and is located on the island of Oahu. Oahu. It is the headquarters of the United States Pacific Fleet and features the USS Arizona Memorial. The USS Arizona suffered the most casualties after the ammunition inside detonated, causing it to explode. Attacked on December 7th of 41, the USS Arizona sunk when it was bombed, taking with it a record 1,177 crew members and rendering it the largest loss of life on any U.S. war vessel. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Following reparations in 62, it now sits on the harbor as a tribute and carries with it, for most visitors, a tremendous sense of desolation. With the lives that perish that tragic day, supposedly still patrolling the area. Boom, boom, boom. Yes, this is where we get into the thick of it. The refurbished boat brims with eerie noises that range from disembodied voices to pacing footsteps. Many photographs that have been taken around the memorial have captured strange foggy spots and misty human figures seem to appear in the background of these photographs. One specific ghost that appears is said to be the officer who was posted on Arizona's deck the morning of December 7th. Distracted by something personal, he left his station briefly. It was during this time the Japanese planes attacked. This officer was killed. Some speculate he is seen because he is driven by guilt to walk the deck and then look out near the flagpole. He is seen mostly at night, low tide, and in the dim light of dawn. Poor guy. Yeah, these little islands are so freaking haunted. There are tons of places I haven't even named. Like, there's just so much. So many places, so much lore. Like, I just, I mean, I think this is pretty long already. But I decided to veer off, like, um, what's publicly posted from by writers formally about these places. Um and go into personal ghost stories because if Hawaii as haunted as it is, there is bound to be an abundance of personal ghost stories. Yeah, and I was actually just checking um, because I'm a loser, <laughs> our listeners to see, did we have any listeners from Hawaii? And I don't think we do. We do have some in Alaska, um, but none in Hawaii. So we're going to have to try and fix that and get listeners from Hawaii to send in their listener stories. All right, so this one's called Little Hands. 
I've never lived in a haunted house, but my mother did as a teen. Other houses on her street had strange things going on, too. A few homes away from her lived a man and his family. One night, one of his daughters went to bed with a bad headache. The next day, she was dead. She passed Jesus. away. <laughs> yeah, the, like this out of left field. She passed away from an aneurysm. God. After the funeral, the family went away to get their minds off the tragedy. And the father asked my uncle, my mom's brother, to check on their pets. My mom and dad, they were dating then, went with my uncle. My mother had heard that there was a grand piano and she wanted to play it. And my dad was studying to be a veterinarian. So, you know, made sense. He wanted to play the dogs. Yeah. He wanted to dissect the dogs. <laughs> After entering the house, my uncle and my father headed to the basement to see the animals. And my mother went to the piano on the ground floor. She was playing it when she felt something brush her ankles. She thought a cat must have left the basement and walked past her. She kept playing and she felt it again. She looked under the piano and saw nothing. When she started again, she felt hands clasp her legs and grab them tightly. She dashed to the basement door, called my uncle and father, and waited for them. When they all walked outside, my uncle could tell my mom was rattled and asked what was wrong. She told him what had happened, and he turned white. He told her the daughter who had died used to play a game with her father. When he'd play the piano, she'd crawl underneath, grab his ankles, and push his feet up and down on the pedals. That's sweet and all, but, <laughs> you know, no fucking thank you. <laughs> wow. Please, God, nobody ever, That's alive or you. dead, That's I'm gonna just please don't gonna grab, grab your my feet fucking ankles. No. While you're sleeping. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next story is called The Unseen Patient. The ambulance company that I used to work for had a haunted ambulance rig. Rig 12. A lot of EMTs had stories about it, but I never put much stock in paranormal stuff. That is until I had my own experience with Rig 12. My partner and I were working in a rural community at 3 a.m., and it was pitch dark and completely quiet. We were both dozing. I was in the driver's seat and she was in the passenger seat. I woke up to a muffled voice and I thought my partner was talking. I told her I was trying to sleep and then closed my eyes. I distinctly heard a male voice say, Oh my God, am I dying? Followed by a few seconds of heavy breathing. My partner and I sat up straight and looked back into the patient compartment where it sounded like the voice had come from. Things were quiet for a couple of seconds. Then we heard the click of an oxygen bottle regulator and a hiss, as if it were leaking. I turned on the lights and we ran out of the rig. I thought a transient might have climbed in while we were sleeping. So we opened the rear doors. No one was there. I checked the oxygen bottles. Neither was opened. We didn't sleep much after that. That is so scary. Can yeah. you imagine? <laughs> like that's one of the okay i've been in a situation where i'm like oh god i'm scared and i'm at work you know really yeah tell us like it's mostly because when i hear like i was listening to a podcast and it was talking about these weird phone calls like this weird oh yeah yeah like the it was what was it um i can't fucking remember it was like a study there were like ads for a study or sleeping study around yeah. this area and like when you called it it called you back at 3 a.m 
and shit like eerie shit like that scares the fuck out of me yeah yeah i i was more just picturing like i've definitely been dozing off in a work vehicle at night like you know when i used to do like long drives at night and stuff yeah and you would pull over like i would always pull over in like a populated fucking truck stop or whatever yeah yeah like, but just the thoughts of that like yeah middle of nowhere no lights and they even just oh my god am i dying we'll see the that thing that goes into my head when i'm at work and i'm listening to scary shit like that is like the second floor of the store is relatively empty mm-hmm. and i'm the only one that walks around in the morning mostly yeah yeah and i always imagine in my my imagination my imagination loves to fuck with me and it always like when when i'm scared there's like a little voice that says what if all the lights get turned off right now and you wouldn't be able to see your hand in front of you and it just creeps me the fuck out even more so like when i finally around people i get like it feels like my my blood starts rushing back into my veins and like i become warm again from being okay. cold for the, with like fear <laughs> yeah i feel like your fears are a lot more rational than mine like because again when i used to work in a warehouse yeah which turned out to be actually fucking haunted we think yeah i would always be like if i was working late nights or early mornings whatever and there was one particular corner i wouldn't like if the lights went out it wouldn't bother me mm-hmm. i was just as scared in the light as i was in the dark <laughs> mm. i was purely afraid of ghosts <laughs> <laughs> well i mean speaking of irrational fears only a few years ago like we live like houston is i'd say it's landlocked not like galveston you know like it, the, it's on the coast it's a fucking port right? yeah, yeah um like there's no that's the closest beach is like an hour away it's yeah. an hour away only up until a few years ago like i would get this image in my head whenever i'm taking a shower and like like say the someone's using the sink and the faucet is like cold water comes out of the, the shower head and it's so fucking cold and it shocks me i get this irrational fear that a great white shark is going to bust through the wall and eat me. That is irrational. <laughs> I wouldn't tell people that if I were <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I used to get that kind of fear when I was a child in the swimming pool. Yeah. You know, I think that was because of an episode of Goosebumps or something. And I, in my head, it got changed into a, a shark always. I am terrified of open water and like the unknowns of the deep. Oh, yeah. As and you like should sharks, be. obviously. Yeah. But I'm so fascinated by sharks. Like I, I love learning about them. All right. Well, that's all I got. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> After that abrupt ending. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you ready for my story? Yeah. Let me get comfortable. Oh, get comfortable. Oh yeah, I know. Oh, we're gonna be here for quite some time. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So my sources this week are Musio Criminologico. 
Wikipedia.it, Murderpedia, Wikipedia, Horrores Revelados. Do you know what that is? That's, I think, supposed to be Spanish. Those words. Horror Revelados? Oh. Was that what you said? Horror es Revelados. <laughs> I guess uh, horror is revealed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that is it. <laughs> and, um, oh, fuck, there was one more as well called, like, Famous the People. Okay. I'm going to have to look it up because I actually got a, a chunk of information off it. Okay, today I'm going to tell you all about the Correggio all right. soap maker. That's my awful attempt at Italian. But wait, there's more. I just, like, imagine spaghetti covered in soap bits. Yeah, soapy spaghetti. Yeah. So, the Correggio soap maker. Leonardo Cianciulli. Love it. I fucks with it. Born in Montella, Avellino, 18, 1893. As always with my stories, plenty of sources stating totally opposite information mm. so i've tried to get the most factual looking stuff mm. and combine it to make one solid story so she had a very unhappy childhood now, there's not a huge amount of information about her childhood seeing as she was born in 1893 mm-hmm. but her mother and father amelia and mariano were only married because mariano actually raped amelia <gasps> and when Amelia's family found out that she was pregnant. They forced her to marry him. Oh, that's so shit. Horrible. They lived in ex- in an extremely impoverished area. And naturally, this led to an unhappy household. I mean, like the whole fucking thing yeah. was horrible. And Mariano actually died pretty early on Good. in Leonardo's life. Yeah. Good. But her mother, I can only imagine there was a lot of resentment there. Oh, yeah. Anyway. But anyway, she she remarried. Which it did not like they were still in the same shitty area, mm. all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And her mother was so horrible to her. Now, I'm sure there was other things going on in her life or whatever. But as a young girl, she actually attempted suicide twice. That's fucking sucks. Yeah. So in 1914, possibly 1917, she married Raffaella Panzardi. Okay. Who was a significantly older registry office clerk. She did this against the wishes of her family, however, as they had someone else picked out for her. Oh, fuck Somebody, Yeah, I know. But this other person was, like, a lot more wealthy than mm. Raphael. Her mother was so angry that she married this guy that she actually put a curse on Leonardo and her husband. Wow. Not just, like, cursed them out, but Leonardo was convinced that this was a legit curse. Yeah. So the couple moved to Loria where Raphael was originally from. Mm -hmm. But he had stopped working altogether in the move. First of all, his registry office position wasn't a very high, like well-paid job to begin with. And then I think he just quit working and became a horrible alcoholic. While living here in Lauria, or however you pronounce that, Leonardo actually got sentenced to jail time for fraud. Mm -hmm. Doesn't say to do with what or anything like that. But... She served a time, and when they got out, they moved. This time, they moved to some other really Italian-sounding place in Erpina, which is, I think, a province. Okay. Um, but in 1930, an earthquake tore their house down. Mm. So they had to move again. This time, they moved to Correggio, which I looked up pictures of this place, and it looks 
fantastic. Like, I ended up going down a whole rabbit hole just looking up pictures of these, like, beautiful Italian villages and shit like that. Mm. And it just gave me goosebumps. I was like, we need to go here. Yeah. I had to get that out of my system and tell everybody. I just want to be able to travel again. So Correggio seemed to be a good place for the couple. She opened a small soap shop. I didn't hear any more about Raphael. But I'm assuming he started working or doing whatever. She became really popular with the locals and they all knew her. Everybody said she was a kind, warm-hearted person and a doting mother. Very loving mother. Her superstitions seemed to grow as she got older. And somewhere along the way, she went to a fortune teller. Now, this was supposed to be before she even had, like, got the Correggio or anything like that. But the fortune teller told her, You will marry and have children, but all your children will die. On another occasion, she went to a palm-reading gypsy who told her, In your right hand, I see prison. In your left, a criminal asylum. Jeez. Yeah. That's grim. So over the course of her marriage, she would have 17 pregnancies. Damn. Three of these ended in miscarriages and 10 of her 14 children died very young. Naturally, she became extremely protective of her surviving four children. Mm -hmm. Giuseppe, Bernardo, Biagio, I think, and Norma. (laughs) Norma the Normie. Yeah. (laughs) So when Italy was gearing up to fight in World War II and Giuseppe either signed up or was drafted, she became determined that she would not let him die. How would she make sure this didn't happen? Good old human sacrifice. Of course. What the She fuck? just jumped right in. She was like, okay, so what I she... know what I will do. What I will do? kill the people. So apparently she had picked up fortune telling herself at some stage. Uh-huh. Um, I think maybe as like just a side hustle. Yeah. That's what some of the rumors said. I don't know. Either way, like I said, she was pretty popular around town. She had made friends and stuff. Oh. One of these ladies that she met, Faustini Setti, who is described as a lifelong spinster who is desperately trying to find a husband. She was either 73 or 50 or 29. I tried. Either way, she was a lifelong spinster. All right. I think she might have been somewhere between 73 and 50 because I've seen pictures of her. Mm. And if she was 29, I'm sorry. Either way, Leonardo told told her that she had just the man for her. But he lived in Croatia, which wasn't Croatia at the time. I, I don't know what it was called. Leonardo said, don't tell anyone because, you know, I think she was, she told her, like, if you tell people, they're going to think that it's, you a know, scam. yeah, a scam and you're going to waste your time. Don't tell anyone. Write some postcards and stuff like that and some letters explaining what's going on and tell them that you've arrived there safely. But send them before you leave so they get them by the time you get there. So that's fine. She arrives at Leonardo's house on the day she was due to head out and start her new life to say goodbye and to say thanks and whatever else. I couldn't find a date, but it happened in 1939. So I'm just saying Tuesday, 1939. Leonardo poured her a glass of wine to celebrate. She fell unconscious after drinking this wine because it was drugged. Crazy shit. Leonardo then hacked her to death with an axe. Dragged her body into a closet where, this is a quote, I threw the pieces into a pot, added seven kilos of caustic soda, which I had bought to make soup, sorry, (laughs) which I had bought to make soap, and stirred the whole mixture until the pieces dissolved in a thick, dark mush. 
that I poured into several buckets and emptied in a nearby septic tank. As for the blood in the basin, I waited until it had coagulated, dried it in the oven, ground it and mixed it with flour, sugar, chocolate, milk and eggs, as well as a bit of margarine, kneading all the ingredients together. I made lots of crunchy tea cakes and served them to the ladies who came to visit, though Giuseppe and I also ate them. Wow. It is reported that she inherited Faustina's savings also, which amounted to 30,000 lira, roughly $18,500 today. Whoa. Yeah, although others say that this she had actually charged Faustina for her services, and that's how she got this. Yeah. One victim wasn't enough for Leonardo. Yeah, she was too paranoid, I guess. I don't know, like, what her fucking thoughts were. Francesca Soavi, sorry, Francesca, a middle-aged, unemployed school teacher, was told that was told by Leonardo that she had found her a lovely job at a girls' school in northern Italy. She was also told to write letters to her friends, assuring them that she had arrived safely, but without telling them where she was. Leonardo had had her send them while she was still in Correggio. On the 5th of September 1940, she went to wish Leonardo goodbye, and she too drank the wine. Her murder and disposal was the same as Faustini. Hmm. Leonardo received 3,000 lira this time. This was still not enough. Leonardo's third and final sacrifice was former opera singer Virginia Cacioppo. Okay. Virginia Cacioppo, 53. Her life was really sad. Um, at this point, anyway. Apparently, she had been a really successful opera singer. Like, in her youth, had sang in, like, all these major Arenas. opera houses or whatever it was yeah. back in the day. And with famous people and all that. And for whatever reason, she had fallen on hard times. Mm. This time... Leonardo claimed she had found a job for Virginia as a secretary to a mysterious impresario in Florence. Impresario, for all you plebs that didn't know this, because I certainly did, is a person who organizes and often finances concerts, plays or operas. So, same scenario as before with her correspondence. And on the 30th of September, 1940, this is only, what, 25 days? Since the last murder, she paid Leonardo one final visit. This is Leonardo's account of what happened. She ended up in the pot, like the other two. Her flesh was fat and white. When it had melted, I added a bottle of cologne, and after a long time on the boil, I was able to make some most acceptable creamy soap. I gave bars to neighbours and acquaintances. The cakes, too, were better. That woman was really sweet. What the fuck? Leonardo had apparently collected 50,000 lira this time and assorted jewels from Virginia, which is around $31,000 today. She had gotten too cocky for her own good. Virginia's sister-in-law, suspicious of her sudden disappearance, reported her missing to to the authorities in Reggio Emilia and told them that she had last seen her sister-in-law visit Leonardo before she disappeared. Now, apparently, Leonardo did a terrible job at actually hiding the evidence. So, 
the only reason why she hadn't been caught is because nobody was looking for the other two girls. Yeah. Because they had received these letters from them and they just thought, oh, well, look at that. They got better lives. Yeah. Good luck. So police soon found possessions of all three victims poorly hidden in her house and even people wearing the victim's clothes, which she had just sold like blatantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Authorities showed up and she completely denied the murders. But once authorities tried to charge her son for his involvement, she confessed to everything. Again, Mm. she only did this for her son. Yeah. So when in court, she would act out, according to one source, Mm -hmm. interrupting loudly, making obscene jokes and comments and relishing the attention. Loving that, right? When a forensic doctor said it would be impossible to dispose of a body as she did, as she said she did, she said... Someone in this court give me a corpse of any age and I will prove it. (laughs) She remained eerily calm while correcting the prosecutor on the details of her murders. That's crazy. Yep. This is a quote. Her deep set dark eyes gleamed with a wild inner pride as she concluded. I gave the copper ladle, which I used to skim the fat off the kettles to my country, which was so badly in need of metal during the last days of the war. What? Like, yeah, like if you had shit, like they would use it for ammunition and stuff. There was a massive metal shortage oh, during World War II. Okay. So she was really proud of the fact that she gave this delightful prize possession, copper ladle, uh-huh. that she had used to scoop the fat of the humans that she had murdered. To her country. Yeah. Okay. She was like, this is a patriotic point for her, I guess. Basically, she's psychotic. Nut job. Yeah. She was sentenced to 30 years in prison, which I didn't think was that much. I'm surprised she got that much, to be honest. Um, 30 years in prison and three years in a criminal asylum. She published a memoir, which I really did try very hard to get, but I, I couldn't find it, in which she recounted her life and the murders in great detail. She claimed to be a man eater in a sexual way, but obviously we now know that she was also... A woman either. And that she would even have had sex with women. I don't know if that means she did have sex. Or like if the opportunity had arisen. She would have jumped on it. I don't know. Yeah. This is probably for shock factor anyway. Yeah. That's what I think. Back then. Yeah. And apparently she included a cookbook of sweets, cakes and cookies. (laughs) (laughs) That's so fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She died of cerebral apoplexy. Which I think is like a brain hemorrhage mm-hmm. or like slow bleeds on the brain or something like that. I'm not a fucking doctor. I don't know. Uh, while in the women's criminal asylum in Pacioli on October 15th, 1970. She was 76. Like she lived a long ass life. Maybe it was the cakes. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Just eternal youth. A number of artifacts from this case, including the pot in which the victims are boiled are on display at the Criminological Museum in Rome. What? Yeah, and I did look that up. I think it's closed. Like, permanently Uh, closed down. Yeah, I think because of COVID. Ah, COVID ruined everything. I know. Hopefully it opens back up once the world is, you know, a better place. I sure hope so. Because I think that might be why the Museum of Death in New Orleans closed. That closed too? No, the one in California closed. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one in California, I mean, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I, I hope the other one stays open. Anyway. As early as 1979, there was a dark-humoured play by the name of Love and Magic in Mama's Kitchen, 
which eventually ended up on Broadway in the 80s. There were also some films and short films and more plays made about her. Yeah, wasn't there like a movie called of Blood and Chocolate or some shit like that? I don't know. Oh. But anyway, there you go. I kept it short and sweet this week. Oh, wow. Uh, I had heard this story a long time ago. And wow. Like Owen Wilson. Yeah, wow. Or like that pastor. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. But yeah, anyway, so there you go, guys. There's your... Sick. Your weekly dose of true crime and spookiness. And guess what time it is. Listener story time. Oh, no, no. Hold on. Let, me do it. Let me do it how you do it. Listener story time. That's you. I was going to go for a bit of a more soulful one this week, but look, we'll accept you it. You don't have a soul, though. I am all soul. <laughs> all right. Tell me a fucking story, Dulce. By user JessBCR25 from North Carolina. This will be my third experience I've ever had. Just a few more. It's hard to count because I keep remembering just one more than another. This was 2009. I was 19, hanging out, couch surfing at friends' houses at this age. That's That sucks. <laughs> I'll rename this particular friend Miles. He lived in what my dad used to call the gingerbread house. My dad would drop me off sometimes. An adorable little home behind his grandparents. Miles and I went to high school together but didn't become friends until right after. But once we did, we hung out every single day in his tiny, cute home. That's what I want. A tiny, cute home. With enough rooms. Yeah, okay. <laughs> on the outside. For the most part, things were normal and boring, as teenagers are always bored. But there was also not-so-boring parts, and that's where this demon comes in. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm in. Miles said this demon told him that his name was Jacob. And even though I was into slash am into the dead, I didn't really, really believe him at first. He said he learned its name during a Ouija board session. Red flag number one. Yep. But I remember that night too. There was so many of us hanging out and a couple of us thought he was moving the piece. But I do know this demon, which to me was technically just a bad person when he was alive because he often messed with us even during the day. The memory sounds so unbelievable, but I was there. It always sounded like the go this ghost was in the kitchen, being heavy-footed or rough, slamming things out of nowhere. More grunts than I can remember. Mm. Mm. <laughs> grunts. <clears throat> <laughs> but the most disturbing day had so many things happen all in a short amount of time. For starters, a few of us were just hanging out on his couch, all looking at Miles' TV screen when his computer was hooked up, which his computer was hooked up to, so we were all just watching YouTube videos. Miles was in his computer chair, and his bass guitar was leaning against his desk. No one was moving besides the bass, just randomly, oh, besides the bass, that just randomly leans forward and does a couple spins before our eyes and goes back into its leaning position. We all obsessed over that for a minute until right after his pack of cigarettes, which was on the desk near the base, levitated maybe 10 inches or less into the air and fell back down. We were all shouting, did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure one kid dramatically runs around in disbelief or one kid dramatically run to, ran around in disbelief. Rightfully so, because I mean, this was not stuff you like ever see. 
Minutes later, a friend of ours randomly let out a sudden, ah, <laughs> ah, and grabbed onto his ankle and immediately lifted his jean leg. And there was a human looking, there was human looking bite marks. He was bleeding. We couldn't believe it. Pretty sure that same day, another friend was pulled off of Miles's bed by his feet and did the hardest butt plop. And he just, <laughs> <laughs> and he just ran out of the house. <laughs> butt plop. <laughs> bum drugs <laughs> <laughs> i witnessed this entire day it sounds so ridiculous but i can't forget it a year after that time i was somewhat homeless yet living for only a month on a couch just one town over for miles there was maybe seven of us total in this one trailer and one girl who lived there gets a call from miles and she brought it to our attention that he was on his way over with his girlfriend to stay the night there were already seven of us so we were thinking why and where will they sleep? But he showed up very shortly after. I remember a guy of the house opens a door and there's Miles and his girlfriend coming in to tell us that they were told to get out. Not just once, but over and over each time it got louder and, and more aggressive. I'm sure half of the people there didn't believe him. But after everything we'd gone through, I definitely did. So I guess like the demon was telling them to get out. Yeah. yeah. He said after all the stuff, this was the first time he was told to leave his own home he was shaking and just distraught i couldn't understand how he could ever sleep there to begin with after everything he went through in that small home 12 years later we're 30 years old and miles doesn't believe in ghost i just can't wrap my head around that he's denying such a time that i can never forget did he black all of this out how can you be a skeptic when there were tons of witnesses in that time of his life. It's not like this was all word from his mouth, but my very own eyes too, and others. I know a couple other skeptics that have experiences they've shared with me, but then go and say ghosts aren't real. I think there's a big difference between um, being a skeptic and being in denial. Mm. I think a lot of people are just like, if I don't talk about it, it's not there. Yeah. I feel like my dad's one of those people. Um, just another fucking reason why not to play with fucking Ouija boards yeah it's like a recurring dream a recurring theme yeah sorry even um, not to steal from our friends at real life ghost stories mm. but Dan mm. he he likes to say he's got a, his PSA against Ouija boards <laughs> just don't fucking go near them and I have to say <laughs> I gotta agree yeah don't I, like that that fear was all has always been in me yeah probably from my parents just being like no that's the devil don't go near it yeah it, 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 yeah i mean because there's if there's a lot of stories that are attached to the ouija board why would you even want to tempt it yeah I you know, know. kind of like the whole volcano rock thing if there's a bunch of people writing in to be like, oh, I'm so sorry I took this rock. All this bad shit started happening. There's some truth to this curse. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. See, anyway, see what I did there? I just brought I did, it back yeah, full yeah. circle. Relevance. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. Thank you very much, once again, for listening to us. Yeah. For sticking with us. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. All that weekly creep. Oh, you know what? What? Just like an off story. A really cool thing that happened this week. There's this this 
new manager that works at my job and like I don't speak at work <laughs> I just don't like my I have the luxury of just being alone doing my job fuck people um because uh, just so many bad things but um everyone's so toxic so I just keep to myself right so this one girl like I want to help her because I know the department that she's in is so difficult because I was in that department myself and there's a lot of pressure in her position. So I was training her. We ended up having like a, a conversation that ran into different tangents for like 20 minutes. We had so much in common and it was really cool to just connect with someone like after a long time of just being emotionally disconnected at work <laughs> that's nice so people are nice now yeah like uh, i thought that was Look pretty at that. cool faith restored <laughs> yeah yeah okay guys well for those of you still listening <laughs> um make sure to send us your own personal stories experiences not necessarily spooky true crime anything you think is freaky and you want to share with us to get other people's opinions or whatever yeah, did you see a ghost at the grocery store? Did the lights go out and you heard a weird voice? Did you almost get murdered? Yeah. Anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's We're over done. now. It's over, yeah. Okay. We're done. We're done. <laughs> All right. Okay, bye, okay, y'all. Okay, bye. Oh, didn't do it.